We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yui Shu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome back. Here's a fantasy for you. During COVID, how many of you thought about moving to a different country, (laughs) dating someone there, falling in love, and then staying in that country? I certainly have had all these fantasies before. And sometimes it's not as romantic or as smooth as you think it is when you're dating someone from a different culture, especially in their country, right? I've also wondered what it's like for people that come to the US. Mm -hmm. Because have you dated people of other cultures? Like I had one boyfriend that was from the UK. That's kind of as far as my experience goes. But I definitely learned some differences even just from him and hearing how he interpreted the dating scene in the US versus in the UK. It's kind of refreshing because they ask you the questions that you normally wouldn't ask yourself about why you (laughs) date the way you do. I remember going on a date with someone who had just moved over from France and he did not understand the dating multiple people thing. He was just like, what the fuck? Why why do you all need so many people in rotation? Why can't you just focus on one person? That's how it was with my ex from the UK too. Like I remember being like, do I need to have the talk, you know, like the DTR combo? And then just one day he's made it very clear that I was the only person he was seeing, but it wasn't in the DTR typical way at all. It was just like, oh yeah, this is so matter of fact. Like it didn't even cross his mind that he would be dating someone else it's just such a natural thing for someone else yet in our dating culture we make it so complex and has to be so formalized for it to be a relationship yeah it's super interesting how that happens and this is why we were compelled to do this episode many of you have written in requesting something like this how do you date people from other cultures in the u.s in your home country and then also how do you date other people in other countries Mm -hmm. is a a similar topic. And we speak to not one, (laughs) not two, 
but three people on their experiences. Yeah. And of course, this is just three people's experiences. So we don't want to generalize. Yeah. We even talk to some of them. And, you know, like for instance, one of them is dating in Brazil. And she's like, we need to actually like bring it back. I'm dating in Rio. And it's also one person's yeah. experience. So this is a good snapshot into what it's been like. But as of everything with Dateable, we're here to just hear people's experiences. Maybe you have a totally different one or a of course, we're only hitting a few places in this conversation. So we can do follow ups. That's the good news when we only have three people. That means we have room for more episodes down the line. <laughs> yes, this can be a continuing segment uh, on our show of just dating in different cultures. What's the most beautiful thing about dating people from different cultures is that you get to gain a fresh perspective, it puts things into perspective. Mm -hmm. And it does make you step back and think, huh, why do I date the way that I do? Have I been conditioned this way? Or do I actually fur to do things this way? It's a great kind of therapeutic process of reexamining yourself. Yeah, I feel like most of the times it's conditioned because we're just going through the motions and kind of yeah. just blending into culture. I feel like it's really hard to pave your own way, not to say you shouldn't do it. I also always feel like when someone's like, should I be dating multiple people? Should I be dating one person at a time? It's like, you got to do you. What is it that works for you? And I think this is a good reminder that just because you feel like something is the norm, it's not always the norm. It's just the norm and the culture that you're in at that time. Right. Talking to a few friends about this because we were just comparing dating in the US or Western culture and how that differs so much from many other cultures. And one thing that we pinpointed was dating in Western culture is all about what's next. So when you go on a date with someone and you like tell your friends about this person, your friends are automatically going to ask you like, oh, have you slept together? Yeah. Oh, have you gone on a third <laughs> date? Oh, have you DTR'd? It's always like, what's next? What's next? But people don't ask you, oh, how did the date make you feel? Never, <laughs> <Right>? never. <laughs> never about the present feeling of what that was like. And this is why so many of us have so much anxiety around dating because we're constantly mm -hmm. thinking of that next milestone. And then it all culminates in like after you have kids after you've been married and have kids it's done nobody asks you what's next nobody's gonna be like have you been playing the funeral like <laughs> you know, what's that next life stage so it's really odd that we have these all these little markers that like every year there's something and then once mm -hmm. you get to the kids part like your life is over that's it nobody yep, cares that's the nobody end gives shit no <laughs> one cares nobody yeah. gives a shit <laughs> it's so true though it's very it's not in the moment at all and i think the measurement of a successful relationship is how long it lasts not how you feel like you mentioned but it's interesting because you know we've had a few friends that have met people from other countries including one that we're talking to today on this podcast Mm -hmm. But we've had other friends that, you know, have gotten like swept away in the romance of meeting someone while on vacation. It's interesting to hear how that plays into when you're actually fully immersed in the culture. Mm -hmm. I think we get a much more real perspective of what it means to date. This like culture that feels sexy or like exotic, you know, like what does it actually mean once you're in it? <laughs> We make so many assumptions when it comes mm -hmm. to dating. We think, oh, now that we've slept together, it must mean this. I met the parents, it must mean this. And in different cultures, all of these activities and actions mean different things or mean mm -hmm. nothing at all. So being in a 
interracial or cross-cultural relationship actually helps you communicate your expectations better. You have to be very clear. And I know like like you've talked about this a bit before how it was actually refreshing that you and your partner have a lot of cultural similarities. It's kind of the reverse of it. Like how do you think it's been being with someone that you have more of that similar upbringing opposed to such a different one? It's sort of indicative of my stage in life. I think in my 20s and early 30s, I wanted someone very different from me because I was in this very curious stage. I wanted to learn about other people's way of living and doing love. Mm -hmm. And then when I hit my late 30s, I just wanted someone who feels like home and that that could mean different things for different people. But to me, it just meant that we already had this built-in similar background. And what makes he and I similar is not so much that we come from a Chinese upbringing, is that we both grew up in the US, moved back to China for Mm -hmm. during our adult life, and then came back to the US. That to me is the cultural similarity Mm -hmm. between us that we can really have a common language around. Yeah, you know, like, I think for me, I've clearly I I had one relationship, I would say UK is, is it that far off from US culture? (laughs) Like, it's not exactly the same. I wouldn't say it's it's like, so exotic. It was definitely okay i will say when we were dating there were like little things just even like the verbiage he used and the terms i remember like waiting in the queue like little things that you're just like oh that's kind of cute you know and Mm -hmm. obviously a british accent's hot so like there's like those aspects of it but i feel like i've never dated someone that like we did not speak the same language like the first and Mm. foremost the same language and initially i was like oh that'd be really hard to have like a deep connection but i think even from this episode we did i learned like it's not always like all about that and like there's other ways you can connect with someone so it gave me appreciation maybe for you know people that are in these types of relationships where like common language isn't the same agreed but also to be perfectly honest i just can't picture it for myself i really can't given how much you and i talk about these really (laughs) like heady things about relationships and love i just can't imagine having a similar conversation with someone who didn't speak the same language and have the vocabulary around that and how frustrating that would be for both of us to try to get to that level I mean, I admit I haven't tried, so I won't fully know, but I can (laughs) see what you're saying. I can see what you're saying that you're like, do I have to, you know, kind of tone it down a little or translate or whatnot. But yeah, I guess it's like different things to matter for different people. So Mm -hmm. that's another aspect of it. Like maybe you don't need to be talking nonstop about things. Like, yeah, you can connect in different ways is what I've learned from all this. Yeah. And and that's perfectly true. And, you know, trying to communicate with someone who doesn't speak the same language is probably similar than trying to connect with someone who does speak the same language but isn't aligned on yeah. values goals and right. even just like per- their stage and personal development if they all they want to talk about is sports cars and they speak english perfectly fine and you don't want to talk about sports cars probably could have a very similar vibe at least you could blame the language barrier in this case yeah. you can't blame it when you're just not on the same page yes <laughs> yes yep exactly i do think the learning about someone's culture and upbringing when it's very different from you is 
interesting. Mm -hmm. And I've just been thinking about like differences a lot in relationships. And, you know, my partner and I, we hit the two year mark. And I read somewhere that like, this is actually a time where a lot of couples break up because you come out of the honeymoon phase, you're in this like rectifying differences phase, and you're kind of met with this time of, okay, are we going to do this or not? Not to say that like, it lasts forever after two years, but it's a pivotal moment, I think, of like the curtains have come off you're seeing this person Mm -hmm. for who they are and you know I think my partner and I we've definitely have navigated a lot of differences even though our upbringings are actually quite similar in a lot of ways not all the ways but you know give or take like we have a lot of similarities the way we approach situations is totally different and we've learned Mm. to appreciate and love those differences but I'm not gonna lie it's it it was hard to sometimes get around that so I always wonder with people from different cultures is maybe they don't have the similarity of upbringing, but do they have similarities in other ways? Like they approach problems the same way. And I think like you're going to run into differences no matter what in a relationship, but it's like, what are those differences? It's going to be different for every couple. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's like you're going to have differences in every shape and color. You got to choose your battles. What's more important to you? And for some people, the language thing, the cultural thing isn't as big of a difference as someone who's just not intellectually aligned or, you know, values aligned. Yeah, so many different ways. Or it's hard. It's still hard to navigate the difference. But that's your difference that you're going to choose to navigate together. Yeah, yeah. choose your hard. Yep. Your heart. Well, I'm glad we had this conversation. Selfishly, I'm excited too because you and I were able to catch up with two friends yes. that moved. Yes. So, big shout out to Andy and Kat, who are part of the trio. And they were both friends of ours in San Francisco. So, when we thought about this episode, we definitely immediately went to them. And then UA also went to a great comedy show that she found out through Bernicier, who we had on the podcast few seasons back. She was incredible for anyone that missed this episode. It was about just, um, you know, timelines and pressure and all that stuff. Leftover women. Yes, yes, the leftover women. So you saw this comedian and you were like, we need to get her on the podcast. If you're ever in LA, you got to go to this show that Bernice puts on. It's called Fine Imports. She she does her her bit, but then she also invites all kinds of comedians to do bits themselves. But she invited this this woman named I. She is Japanese and she came to over to the US. She's been here for 20 years, but her entire uh, segment is about what's like to date in the US and how, how different she expected it to be. And I really enjoyed some of the things she said because it made me go, yeah, that's true. That's crazy that, that we do these stupid games here in the US. So we had her on, but she's super interesting because she married someone in the U.S. and then they're now divorced and now she's back in the dating pool again. So she gets to (laughs) re-experience the dating scene uh, after divorce. So we have it all for you. We have people that are in different periods of life, different relationship statuses, different countries, different aspects. Are they emerging into the culture there or are they being immersed into our culture in the U.S.? This is a good one. We're in for a ride. We have so many good perspectives on this 
And without further ado, we'll just get into it. But before we do, let's talk about announcements. Exit Interview Podcast. We are rolling <laughs> along. We're getting some really good reviews come in. Yes. We had a wonderful guest, Justin, last week. So if you missed that episode, the episode was around why can't he get a date? So it was a more unique exit interview, too, because we talked to not only like in the past, we've been talking to people's exes and past dates. But when you can't get a date, we had to go to his family members, his best friends. And we got a lot of good insight for him. And, you know, it's such a great episode. Someone left a review. The reason why I'm saying this, too, is like more Justin. He was amazing. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't listened to this episode yet, go check it out. If you haven't listened to Exit Interview at all, you are in for a treat. It's time to binge. (laughs) (laughs) So many episodes for you to binge on. And you're guaranteed to learn a thing or two and make you wonder, hmm, have I done that before? Have I experienced that before? You're going to find it very relatable. So you can find that show on any podcasting platform or you can go on social media. It's Exit Interview Show on Instagram. Cool. Okay. Well, at Dateable Podcast is our Instagram. At Nonplatonic is UA's. At Julie Craftchick is myself. We're going to do something fun that we have our little corners that we're going to be posting some individual learnings that we've had from doing this podcast and maybe some other secret projects that are in the works. Oh so. It sounds like we're in trouble. <laughs> we're going into our corners now and to think about what we did wrong. Hey, we are thinking thinking that's for sure (laughs) we are thinking (laughs) the purpose of this is to we have so many thoughts every week (laughs) that we can't get down on paper we forget to say it on the podcast and you thought let's have an opportunity to just say whatever's on our mind now some weeks may just be about donuts and other (laughs) weeks may be about some crazy revelation that we had so just bear with us every week will be a little different as we go into each of our respective corners also a shout out to join our mailing list. That's another area that we're bringing our ideas to life. Every other week, we send out an email that is helping you detox from bad dating behaviors. And this Mm. is just a way to get, again, some of our learnings for Dateable out into the world. So continue to subscribe there. You can just go to dateable.com and there's an easy way to subscribe right on the homepage. I forgot to mention this earlier. The best part about Dateable is we meet people (laughs) in real life. And we have run-ins with our listeners. It's always the best. So I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners who came up to me at Whole Foods. I was <laughs> disheveled, putting my cart away. And this <laughs> lovely woman came up and said, I will take your cart. And I was like, perfect. I don't have to <laughs> oh. put it away. And then she's like, are you Julie from Dateable? Oh, my God. <laughs> and her name was Karen. And she actually heard about Dateable through you, UA, but you had never mm-hmm. met her in person. But you guys talked like through a uh, professional sense, right? Like mm-hmm. through um, email through or work. work. Yeah, through work. Like my partner was there with me and he introduced himself and she's like I know who you are (laughs) it was really fun and I got to unload my cart it made it so much easier Karen, I miss talking to you. It's so funny. We were connected in a in a business environment. We used to talk about business. And then when she heard about the podcast, she's like, can we not talk about, you know, like this 
business shit that we have to do like can we talk about the podcast or like yeah girl let's let's go <laughs> so it's i'm so happy that you're still listening and it's how cool that you got to meet julie in person yeah so story. keep it coming if you see us in whole foods or any other grocery store or wherever it might be come up and say hello we really do appreciate it <laughs> and take our cart take the damn cart <laughs> Okay, well, that being said, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Okay, well, let's get into it with our first guest, Kat, who found love in Rio. A blast from the past with one of our favorites, Kat. So good to see you. Hi. Who's living in Brazil now, who's been there for three years. That's so wild. It's been three years. 
I actually feel like it's longer. I feel like you've been there for like 10 years. We haven't seen you in so long. Time flies. In my heart, I was there. <laughs> it's true. You were That's in true. Brazil when you were in San Francisco. So we met yeah. Kat in San Francisco. Obviously, she lived in SF before that, but she's been in Rio de Janeiro for three years. She's 39 years old and she's currently engaged. When we last spoke to Kat, we were trying to do a reality TV show style thing with her. We're like, remember? Because Kat had quit her corporate job. This is like her story. I quit my cushy corporate job in SF to pursue my dream of moving and living in Brazil. And she went and did that as ballsy as she is. So we were like, let's have you capture all of the different dating adventures you're going to go on. So we uh-huh. had the first episode ready because she's like cleaning out her apartment, yeah. <laughs> packing up her suitcase. And then she got to Brazil and, you know, life yeah. took over. And of course... <laughs> Kat had to do her own thing, which is date and find who now she's engaged you. We're here now to close the loop. So it all worked out. Yeah. We'll pick up that show again at some point. We'll resurrect it. I don't know in what context we'll resurrect it. But Kat, when you first got to Brazil, like you've been to Brazil many times before, you've met people in Brazil, but this is your first time really living a life in Brazil and possibly starting a life with someone. So what were some of the initial culture shocks you experience when dating local men? Yeah. So specifically, I think there's a difference between saying Brazil and specifically Rio de Janeiro where I live Mm. because, you know, it's kind of saying like the US or Mm. New York or something, right? Like there's different cultures within the country. But here, I mean, it's kind of like the opposite of living in San Francisco, right? So well, everyone's really aggressive. Everyone's really open. Mm. Everyone's talking to each other, approaching each other in the street, at a party, on the beach, anywhere, in the grocery store, right? Like it's kind of like inevitable. You will get approached. You will get hit on. That's the culture. And I really liked that, right? Like, yes, I, you do. I was complaining about everybody in San Francisco. Nobody talked yep. to me. And here it's like, be careful because not only will they try to talk to you, but they will try to kiss you like in the first couple minutes of talking to you. Oh so my you God. have to really be you know, aware of that. And that was a huge shock to me in the beginning because you know, once you like said, okay, I'll go on a date with somebody, they were going to try and kiss you like right away. And if you didn't kiss back, then that was kind of strange. Like that was a, you know, they were like, oh, this girl doesn't like to kiss. Mm. Like that's weird kind of thing. (laughs) Well, the first thing is, you know, everybody's really aggressive. It's very sexual, sexual culture. I mean, you're on the beach, you're basically like naked all the time, right? You're exposing yourself and it creates, you know, it's hot out, it's summer, you know? And so that's kind of like the energy that is here. Mm. And it's also very open-minded city. So it's really the most progressive place in Brazil. So there's lots of open relationships and Mm. everybody mixing and mingling and sex parties and all that kind of stuff. So Mm. you also are like, be aware that that is something that's available and you're going to find it. So that was a big shock for me, but it was really fun because it was kind of the opposite of what I had been living in San Francisco. So I want to get into sex parties and all that, but before... We're not we're Wait, not gonna why lose not that. Now? <laughs> I wanna ask one question before and then I promise we'll get into it. Like 
app culture, because I'm just thinking about the drastic difference of in real life versus app culture. And SF specifically, we know that apps dominate the dating world. It's very rare someone comes up to you in real life. Mm -hmm. Through our community and time at Dateable, we've realized that this has trickled down to many other cities in the US as well. It's not just San Francisco. But in a place like Rio, where everyone's just, you know, out and about coming up to you, do people still use apps or is it not a thing? They do. Yeah. So people still use apps. Okay. You know, I haven't been on a dating app in a while now. So over three years, but I do remember, you know, when I was here, I was on Tinder, but Tinder was more of like hookup, more of like a hookup. I guess that's what it kind of is. Yeah. But even more so. Mm -hmm. But even more so like Tinder was more of like hookup app. And, you know, I was using Bumble and yeah, people are using dating apps, but that didn't stop them from approaching people okay. in person too. It's more of like both avenues, not an either or. And I met my fiance, Rodrigo. We met in real life on the beach, but when we exchanged yeah. numbers and he sent me a message, we already had messages from a year before. What? Like on WhatsApp, oh. we had exchanged messages. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I talked to this guy on Tinder a year before oh, and we never met. What? That's wow. wild. But you had a conversation. It was like we were trying to meet up, but then we never did kind of thing, you know? Wow. And then we ended up meeting in real life, but... I guess it's like Tinder was the initial. That's insane. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that's really fun. What about the reason behind why people date? In San Francisco, I would argue most people date because they want to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. What was your experience with that? So when I was dating here, when I was on the apps or, you know, when I was single, for the most part, I felt like people were, especially guys, were just wanting to have fun. Mm -hmm. There's a term here that is used where it's like, you can like be with somebody, but you're not boyfriend and girlfriend. It's very common for somebody to say like, oh, mm. I'm with her or I'm staying with her, but she's not my girlfriend. Oh. So I'm free to be with other people. We don't have a... It's called ficar. So it's kind of like be with to stay with somebody. But until you like say specifically that you are going to be in a relationship, then you are not, there's no exclusive or monogamy that is expected unless you specifically define that you are in a relationship uh. and not an open relationship. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Like, is there like in the US, you know, there's like such an emphasis on the DTR, the define the relationship. Is that the same or is it in a different way? Yeah. So here it's, for example, I have guys that I've dated or guys that are friends. It's more often guys than girls that I see this happening, but they act like they're in a relationship. They're going out with this girl They bring her to parties. They met their parents. Like mm -hmm. they're kind of like a part of their life. Mm. But they're not in a relationship. They're just like wow. my person that I hang out with, right? Mm. So it's like there's these different levels of connection between people where it's like, oh, we are just hooking up or she's a girl that I like to date regularly or we're in an actual relationship. And that was weird for me too because I'm like there's this middle ground yeah. where – 
I didn't really feel comfortable being in that middle ground. But talking to other girls, even they would be like, no, we're not exclusive. We're just like ficando. I'm like, okay, it's really like a normal thing here. Yeah, I feel like in the US, you would never like meet someone's parents if you were like in a situation ship. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a situation ship. But it's a situation ship is it's kind of like this like half ass relationship, right? Like that you're seeing other people, you haven't defined it to be exclusive. But it's not usually like a choice. It's more like a default that this happens to you where this sounds more like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or like something that will never happen. Like, basically, it's like kind of keeps you on the hook where this sounds like it's more of like a conscious like we're deciding to not be exclusive. It's a defined, undefined relationship. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. And I remember when you first moved over there, you had expressed some concerns about this because you were thinking that possibly down the line, you'd be open to a relationship and you wanted something more monogamous. And you had a witness, I think it was like your neighbor who's married and they were like sleeping with other people and a lot of that kind of stuff going on. How have you been able to reconcile all of that? Yeah, that totally was a thing for me. So before I lived here permanently, I was nomading around and this was one of my homes, right? So I was living here. I was living in Bali. I was living in Barcelona. I was kind of like going around. And whenever I was here, I realized like, I was like, this is not going to be the place where I find somebody, right? Like the guys are just not Mm. serious. I can't trust anyone. Trust what people say to me. That's how I felt. Like, Mm This is confirmed, like, if you ask Rodrigo, my fiance, Mm -hmm. like, oh, what are men like here? He's like, yeah, don't trust anything (laughs) they say, right? Like, you have to, like, really, you know, just because he says that doesn't mean it's true. Like, you have to see what their actions are instead of their words. Because guys will say anything. Mm. They will play on the charm and be like, oh, I want to take you here. I want to do this with you. I want to go there. You know, you know, that's amazing. And then it's like crickets, you know, nothing. You're just like ghosted. And but one of the things about the culture here in general, and this is something that I've learned is that the people from Rio de Janeiro are very open and, you know, friendly and, and everything. And they say like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go out and hang out. And it's not that they have like a bad intention that they're lying. It's just that in San Francisco, if you say like, hey, let's go out to dinner next week, like you're expecting that you're going to go out to dinner next week. Here it's like, Mm -hmm. you say, oh, let's mark to go do something next week. Then you say, okay. And then you have to hear from them again and they have to say, okay, let's do something at this day. Mm. And then you think, oh, it's happening. Mm. No. Then it needs to be confirmed. Then it needs to (laughs) be a three-step process. So it's like flakiness culture, like amplified. I thought SF and parts of the US were flaky, but this sounds like next level. This is like to the max. So you have to get somebody to say like, this is confirmed, like specifically the word confirmed, because if not, it can be your friend too. It doesn't have to be in a dating situation. This happens with all my friends here too, where they're like, okay, hey, let's go to the beach in two days or let's go to the beach tomorrow. Right. And then you're like, okay, cool. And then they're like, okay, if they don't message you again, 
So you have to say like in the morning or that day, like, hey, are we still on for this? And then they will say confirmed. (laughs) And if they don't say confirmed, then it's not going to happen. So that was hard for me to learn because I was thinking that all these people were going to do. I was like, oh, I have like plans with five different people. I don't know, you know, people wanted to do things. And then it came down to night. Nobody's calling me. And I just thought I'd five nothing, you know? So wow. So I want to hear, okay, Rodrigo, when you met him, like it was different, right? Like how did you know then that his word was the truth and trustworthy? Yeah. So that's a good question. At that moment in time, I was in a different place in my own journey and my own self than I had been years before. I was in this mindset of like, okay, I know that men here are like this and I am not going to trust anything that a guy says to me. I only trust like through their actions. Mm-hmm. And is the person showing up for me? Mm-hmm. And I was dating two other guys mm-hmm. at the same time when I met Rodrigo. And there was another guy who was kind of more into actually at the moment. Mm-hmm. But he was super flake. He was the typical, yeah. hey, let's do this. And yeah. then nothing and or even like be like, yeah, let's meet in an hour. And then nothing. An oh. hour. <laughs> Wow. With Rodrigo, he asked me out. We met on a Sunday. The next day, he asked me to meet him. That day, we met. Everything great. And then the next day, he asked me out for the day after to go on a hike to a waterfall. Hmm. And I was like, great. But I've heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. No. But then he was like, okay, (laughs) you know. Confirmed. (laughs) let's meet here at this time. And then, you know, it was like, okay, he's doing what he says he's going to do. And now I can trust this guy because he's actually following through on his word, which a lot of people don't hear. Right. The consistency. And I'm sure that he's probably had the same kind of complaints about dating locally the local women too right the kind of because if he's showing up it must mean that he's getting flaked on quite a bit yeah I don't know we didn't really talk about that so much but you know he's so easy breezy Brazilian that he probably would just be like whatever it doesn't matter like that's how it is here and was he looking for something more serious and long term when you two started dating yeah so both of us had said If we would have met then, probably like nothing would have happened because Mm -hmm. both of us were not in a mental space to be ready for a relationship. That year was a year of a lot of growth for both of us. Mm -hmm. When we both met, we were really, both of us very open and letting ourselves be vulnerable to meeting somebody that was meant for us. And I mean, I think about my criteria for mm-hmm. who I would date in the past is like, he doesn't meet any of the like criteria that I had Which of the best part. I let all of that go. And I was just really, you know, open to being really authentically me and to let myself like be seen by somebody. And mm-hmm. we discovered a really deep spiritual connection mm-hmm. that I never felt with anybody else before. What about the language barrier? 
Because I'm just thinking like, when you say this, like clearly English is not the first language in Rio. How did that factor into this connection? And just maybe all your connections? <laughs> yeah, so I was speaking by that point in time, my Portuguese was good enough to get by. And also, he could speak English too, to some degree. Okay. So we really didn't have any problems communicating at all. What about other people you dated, like maybe when your Portuguese wasn't as good? Like, was that problem? problematic ever or was it a non-issue you know brazilian men they don't care they're just speaking <laughs> they don't speak <laughs> it's the language like the language of love <laughs> i promised that we would circle back to the sex parties but can you kind of shed a little more light on what is like the sexual culture like like what does go down at this type of So, okay, this is my experience from being here. Number one, I wasn't like going to sex parties or I wasn't like seeking out that kind of stuff. But when I would go out, I would get approached by two people at a time, like, or I was with somebody and we would get approached to do like four way Mm. a lot. It was very open that maybe I was going to some alternative style places. One time I ended up without knowing it, like it a place that turned into an orgy. Like everyone there was just (laughs) started having sex with each other. And I was like, oh hey. I didn't realize that this was <laughs> that I was going to. And I'm gonna go now. You know what I mean? I just think like it's such a sexually open and driven country that it's kind of expected. It's not like looked down upon to be really sexually open and to like sex and to explore. You know, I think that's why there's also this like level of people cheating on each other and that kind of stuff also comes with it. It's the most sexual culture that I've ever lived in. So what I'm hearing you say is instead of flash mobs, there were flash orgies that could pop up anywhere. That sounds super exciting. (laughs) So one of the major themes that we've been hearing from people we've been talking to who've dated in other cultures is you get treated like an expat, which is different than if someone were to date someone locally. Do you see the differences of how someone treats you versus like how they would date a local woman? Being a which is how what they would say (laughs) here I think you have to be aware that they're going to assume that you're maybe not so serious because you don't live here Mm -hmm. also it's kind of like a fantasy for people here to be with foreign both men and women like this is the place to be if you are single I'm telling you it is like (laughs) Guys from the States that I would think like are just kind of like, you know, whatever, they're fine. Here it's like they're gods, you know, you can date up a little bit, I think. (laughs) But the other thing is you have to be careful because there's a lot of people that are out for money Uh for both men and women. Like you need to have a basic understanding of what the dating culture is like so you don't get caught up in a scam like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of brazilian women that go out with foreign guys because they know that they have money and they will pay for all of their stuff 
I know men that have been scammed by women, had their things stolen from them. So I think like understanding what people are like in the culture in general is helpful to be able to look out to make sure that you're not getting hurt, like take away the bad people essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are the warning signs for that could potentially happen? This never happened to me, but a friend of mine said that she was going out with guys, she was like always paying the bill or kind of like she felt like she was getting Mm -hmm. used by them. Oh, well, you have money so you can pay that kind of thing where it's like, "Mm, that's not really cool, you know, but luckily that wasn't my experience. How did you vet for that? Like, was there anything that you looked at or was it kind of just like, I'll deal with it when it happens, if it happens? I'm sure you remember when I was living in San Francisco, I had a completely different mindset than I do now. Mm -hmm. I was very much in this like, I'm the woman, you need to treat me, you need to pay for me because I'm spending time getting ready and I give birth. So you need, you know, I was like, I had this (laughs) kind of like, I feel like now such an outdated way of thinking, but I really, that's how I felt. And when I left and I started traveling and I was kind of going back into like budget mode and everybody that I met was also on budget mode, you know, just like traveling, it was like, well, no, you pay for your own, right? Like everyone pays for their own mm-hmm. way. You're not, right. nobody's inviting each other, right? And so that is just what I got used to. And then I realized that I it made me feel almost like more secure. I feel the same way. Absolutely. And we all like hang on to that like old feeling of like that which should be, but it's a hundred percent. It's like, what is actually good for you? That's actually related to what I was going to ask about paying on dates. Have you found that to be the norm? It's just people go. Well, I haven't been on a date with anybody in a long time, (laughs) (laughs) but that was how I felt like it was in the years before I met Rodrigo, I would split the bill with a lot of people. And I was actually dating a lot of people that did that made less money than me. I was living in countries where the salary was way less than Mm -hmm. what I was making, even working part time, like freelancing. And I actually had this conversation with Rodrigo really early on in our Mm. relationship when we were dating, we were out somewhere and I was like, oh, let's stop here and get a drink. And then he said something to me like, I actually need to talk to you because like this place is pretty expensive and I can't really afford to have a drink here. I really like you, but I just don't have the money to do that. Then I said something to him. I said, I'm financially, I have money. I'm not looking for somebody to support me financially. I'm looking for somebody to support me emotionally. Like that's what I need. Yeah. And I couldn't even believe when I said that, that it came out of my mouth. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) You know, but it was true. And, and we have different levels of income and I will pay for things for the both of us because I realize like the things that I want to do or the places that I want to go to, it's not possible for him on or, yeah. you know, what he was making at the time for us to have that experience together. But I made that as a conscious choice because like it was a partnership between the two of us, you know? 
Well, I think there's also a key that like he wasn't expecting you to do that. Like right. you could have just rolled up into that place. And that's probably the difference of how you like vet if someone's trying to like take advantage versus just totally the pure fact that you have two different income levels. hundred percent. Definitely. I appreciate the honesty about that, though, because, you know, Americans are so much in debt because so many of us try to give the perception that we're living at a level that's Mm -hmm. way above what our pay grade is. And this is why people go into debt when they date, because they feel like they have to go to these nice bars and nice dinners. And we forget that some people cannot afford this kind of lifestyle. We just assume everyone's kind of like equal in that. But I appreciate the transparency in that for him to say, you know, this is this is not something I can afford, but we can do something else, which will be equally as fun. I've actually heard the same thing from some of my friends who've dated in countries like within Asia and then within South America. Same thing. It's like people are much more transparent with that. I would like to understand now that you're engaged, how is that changing? Because I was not sure if you were coming back to the States or not. What does this mean for your future? Yeah, I actually have a another surprise. I'm not just engaged, actually acting. Ah, congrats. Yeah. Oh, she saved that. <laughs> she waited till we were recording yeah. to tell us. Yes, yeah, she did. <laughs> Breaking news. Yes. Congrats. Yeah, it, I mean, we're really all in it now, man. There's going to be a little Cat Rigo on the way. So. <laughs> Cat Rigo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the most wonderful thing is... I met somebody who is on the same page as me in terms of what our hopes and dreams are for the future and what we want our life to look like. And we're not necessarily tied to one place or one thing where, you know, we've been traveling and Rodrigo is, hey, maybe we live somewhere else for a while or maybe we check out this or, you know, we're flowing and seeing what feels good for us in the moment in time. And we both, you know, love living here, but we also both love traveling and living in other places. So the fun thing is that I'm with somebody who's open-minded enough to kind of share a off the beaten path idea of life, right? Yeah. Like if you were to look back at Kat from three years ago when you were single, like what advice would you give other people that want to pursue someone from a different culture? I would say being open and vulnerable and like showing who you really are. And I think that, of course, we come from different cultures, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, all this like external factors that make people different. But if you can let somebody really know your heart and who you are, which is really hard to do because you're like totally exposed and can be rejected. But if you're open for that, I think that you find a deeper level of connection that is cross-cultural, that is beyond, right? Like it's on a a level beyond our world and Mm -hmm. all the material things. Next up, we've got our good friend, Andy, who's a longtime listener, who has moved all over Europe, most recently in Sweden. And let's hear about his dating experiences there. Andy, Andy, Andy. Hello. (laughs) We were just saying, can't believe that we're talking to you as Andy in your 30s versus last time we spoke in person, you were still in your 20s. Welcome to the new decade. Yeah, I wish I could be more excited about it, but... um... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, older and wiser and on a different continent now, but excited to be a recurring guest. Season 16, back from season nine, so. (laughs) And we haven't aged at all, clearly. Yeah, we're the same. 
We stay the same. That's how it feels. Keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it works. But, you know, it's so exciting to have you back because now you live in Stockholm. I can't keep track of all the places you've lived and been to. When you first left San Francisco in 2019, you went to Berlin. You were there for a year and a half. And then now you've been in Sweden for two years. Wow. Time really flies. I know. Speaking of getting old, I am actually qualified for a pension in Sweden now, which is... Oh, my God. A, I'm really old, and B, I've been here maybe too long wow. already. So <laughs> seriously, yeah. After two years, depending on like if you have usually like a white collar job that would qualify you for a pension after two years. So even if I leave tomorrow, oh, I'll, I'll be collecting money until I'm, I can come back when I'm old and have a nice retirement here. I guess. Damn, what? <laughs> we should all be moving to Sweden. That's what I learned from this episode. Or date a Swedish person. <laughs> now this is all making sense. We should all be moving to Sweden. But originally, you're from a very exotic place called Alexandria. Virginia. You're single and actively going on dates, but you've been very active in the dating scene. What has been the most shocking thing when it comes to dating in Europe? I would say, I don't know if this is a European thing or just like the general vibes of the 2020s. The general apathy Mm. around like, does someone want to see each other a second or a third time is like, I feel like it's like pulling teeth to like even try to get a yes or no out out of someone in terms of whether or not they're even interested. Whereas I felt like back in the States, you kind of knew where you stood even before the end of the first date usually. So Mm. I find that hard. And you know, I've lived in Germany and Sweden. They're not two of the most (laughs) cultures known for being like boisterous or extroverted or like expressive. So that's probably part of it too. But I think that's been a challenge like sometimes I'm also like, do I even feel like I have enough signal about this person? So in my professional career, I'm, I do tech recruiting. So there's a lot of similarities, obviously. And a good interview, you come out of it having signal on the candidate, like knowing one way or the other, should they advance to the next round, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like dating in Europe has been very much like low signal dates, <laughs> even if you like put in a lot of effort and you're feeling oh. good before the date and it goes pretty much as well as can be planned. It's like just a lot of kind of question marks afterward, I would say. That's interesting. I could definitely see that. I don't necessarily know if I know the stereotype in Sweden as much, but German stereotypes, that definitely can make sense. It's, I think, a little like harder to read, less yeah. emotions that they're sharing. Mm-hmm. Do you think a lot has differed between the two places? Absolutely. So you talk to most people, and most people love Berlin, and that's because they've been there for two or three days and they've just partied their face off for, <laughs> for a weekend. Yeah. And so that does affect the dating life as well, because in San Francisco, we had the term of like Peter Pan men, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Peter Pan syndrome. I think the European version of that is hands down Berlin. And the Peter Pan men, I would say, were actually more impressive or had more to offer mm. in San Francisco. In Berlin, it was like just a lot of people that are just kind of wandering, directionless. Some people haven't even been working for two or three years and they're just getting like unemployment benefits. And those are a lot of people on the dating scene. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of my female platonic friends in Berlin are so frustrated because they're like, nobody actually wants to pursue like a serious committed relationship. Everyone just wants to like have a hookup buddy for a while or maybe someone to go to some of the sex clubs with or something. Interesting. But it's very different in Stockholm. The amount of strollers, if you go to a cafe on a Tuesday at 2 p.m., it'll just be full of moms and dads, people just making the most of the amazing parental leave that they offer here and getting into relationships super early Mm. and committing super early. There's actually a term in Sweden called Sambo, which basically just means romantic roommate. And it basically gives the same tax advantages of being married. Oh, Oh, interesting. So a lot of people become Sambo like super early into the relationship, like three months in Wow, and live together. And it's like the fastest I've seen people live together. Like, do you even know if you like each other yet? (laughs) (laughs) Like a domestic partnership. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Well, I've also heard in Sweden that locals do not like to date outside of their own 
race. They would like to keep it within the family, basically. Have you experienced that? I think there's a lot of that for sure. But it's really interesting. When we talked earlier, it reminded me of there's definitely a thing. I don't know if there's an actual term for this, but it's definitely a thing because a lot of the other foreigners I meet here, because we had kind of like bond together because everyone was like, is this weird? This Swedish thing that we know? And I was like, yeah, that's weird. It's not just you. <laughs> but I'm one of the few people that moved here just for work reasons. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone else I know that's from another country moved here because they got trapped. They got trapped? <laughs> a Swede went abroad. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Swede went abroad, studied for a year or, you know, maybe worked abroad for a year, found the Australian guy, found the Italian guy and then brought them back. And again, both genders. I've seen this Swedish guys bring back girls from other mm-hmm. countries. And you know, it is a great place to to raise kids and, and to be a parent. It's one of the best places in the world to be a mother, I would say, and just women's rights in general. So I can definitely understand why people would kind of choose here over almost anywhere else in terms of where to, to raise their kids. But mm-hmm. usually it does leave from my experience talking to people, it does leave the the non-Swede in the relationship to be very like, man, kind of like stuck here for a while now. (laughs) Yeah, isolated. The kids will grow up being Swedish. The other half of them that might be Argentinian or from Taiwan, like that part is kind of washed away because growing up in Sweden, they will learn Swedish. They will be around other Swedish kids. and Swedish wash. Swedish wash, yeah. yeah. Have you dated mostly expats or locals in both areas? Yeah. When I first moved here to Sweden, I was more open to dating Swedes at that time. And then after about five or six sample in the experiment... (laughs) I just figured out that it was not working out. There was not much chemistry either direction, I don't think. Interesting. So I kind of like set a filter for myself just to be like, okay, probably it's going to work better with non-Swedes. And then part of that is because I'm also, I don't necessarily see myself as I don't here long term. So finding a partner that would be open to moving, mm-hmm. not even necessarily back to the US, but somewhere else <laughs> is important. And then in Berlin, there was actually more of an international community there. And there's also the city is 4 million people in Berlin versus just 1 million in Stockholm. So you just have a bigger dating pool in general. Mm -hmm. Although the city is much more spread out. So it's kind of evens out in that way. In both places, the internationals kind of mix more between each other just because Mm. everyone's not more comfortable with English, but like you never want to be like the one foreigner in the group that makes everyone switch from Swedish to English or German to English, Mm. etc. That makes sense. And that's oftentimes how you not get invited, especially (laughs) here in Sweden. And how uh, are you at both of those? One of the strangest phenomena, like you could ask someone what the, for instance, Easter is coming up this weekend, which is a big thing here in Sweden. And if you ask someone what they're doing, for the weekend. They'll tell you exactly what they're doing down to the details, all the fun stuff they're going to do. <laughs> and even if it's something like that you theoretically could be invited to, like you'll never get invited. <laughs> That's a difficult thing. Anyway, to answer your question, my Swedish is actually decent, much better than my German ever was. But if I start a conversation in Swedish, I usually don't make it past like a third sentence before I have a little bit of trouble mm. hearing what they say back. So trying to improve a little bit every day. But obviously, when I leave Sweden, it's not going to be that useful. So maybe the motivation is also a little bit lower. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. (laughs) Wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. 
and feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to drill into what you were saying about you don't think Swedish people are attracted to you and you're not attracted to them. Can you go a little deeper on that? (laughs) Yeah. So this is really interesting because, you know, I've been here about two years and two months now, and I try to travel around Sweden to different parts. I've been to, I think, the largest eight cities in Sweden to get a little sample of the rest of the country because it is a huge country, like especially by landmass. If you take a train from like the south of Sweden to the north of Sweden, it would take you more than 24 hours just to give you a sense of how long the country is. My point is that like different places especially like Gothenburg, which is the second biggest city. It's on the West Coast. It is totally different culturally than Stockholm. Mm. So sometimes I try to separate what is like Stockholm culture versus Swedish culture. And in Stockholm particularly, it's a little bit like the LA or the Dallas or the Miami of Sweden or of the Nordics probably, where it's a little bit more about your image and it's a little bit superficial. You see a lot of like fake tans and Botox lips and just really nicely dressed people on both genders, well-dressed men, well-dressed women. But that's not really my vibe. And that's not something I've ever put so much effort into. And usually it's actually like a deterrent signal when I see that someone is so into that, that it kind of like takes away from, for instance, their personality or their hobbies. Whereas a place like Gothenburg is way more laid back, way more like, I guess you can compare like SF to LA in terms of just like you could walk into a bar, you know, like this with a flannel and a a sweatshirt versus having to wear like a, a nice button down and jacket and everything. Like I said, in, in those early months of me being here when I was more open to dating Swedish women, I was just getting to the end of a two hour date and nothing went wrong. But just it was very vanilla, I could say. So when I went to Stockholm, this was my experience on my first day. I went shopping and every store I went into, I would say, you know what, I'm not sure what I'm looking for. And every salesperson said, oh, get this because this is what everybody else is wearing. Interesting. Like I was looking for a leather jacket. The pitch was get what everybody else is wearing. And and I spoke to a few local friends there and they said that's kind of mm. the culture is that you don't want to stand out. Yes. It's a conformist kind of culture. You want to be the one that looks like everybody else. So that bleeds into dating where you don't really want to date someone who doesn't look like you. A lot of mm. the couples in Sweden or at least in Stockholm looked exactly <laughs> like each other. Yes, you see that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. The twinning relationships is a real thing. So I wonder, did you experience much of that in dating where maybe you're just yeah. a little too different. I'll teach you another Swedish concept, I guess you could say, which is lagom. And it's kind of like the Goldilocks principle, like not too hot, not too cold. And for them, it kind of permeates all parts of culture where it means, like you said, don't stand out too much one way or the other. For instance, in meetings and work, it's kind of expected that everyone should be able to speak up and kind of share their opinion, even if it'd be more efficient for them to say nothing because they actually don't have a strong opinion. Mm. So it can actually be quite inefficient and it can actually be maybe lead to groupthink and it bleeds through to style, like you said as well. It is a very conformist culture, I would say. And Sweden has actually been one of the better countries in Europe in terms of immigration policies to let people in. It's being challenged a little bit, but instead of integration, it's more like different bubbles of cultures exist around this big Swedish Mm. bubble if you could say that. Yeah, I wonder if it goes back to what you were saying earlier too, that you never get like a real read on people because it's all kind of the same. Mm. Do you feel that way? (laughs) Yeah. And also, I feel extremely privileged and lucky to be here because some of my friends who are like, you know, know that I've been in a funk at times here, like 
if you move to London or like an English speaking country, do you think that would help? And I was like, honestly, basically is an English speaking country. Like 97% of Swedes speak English fluently, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Cause like, mm-hmm. even if you go other places in Europe, it's the reverse of that almost. Obviously they're still more comfortable in Swedish and that's their native language. So like if you just walk down the street in Stockholm, for the most part, you're only going to hear Swedish. Julie, I think sometimes in the States, you might just be able to pick up on cultural things more. Cause you're like, you know, overheard in the Marina, like mm-hmm. follow those accounts where you'd like hear things over on the bus or on your commute or whatever. You don't don't pick up on that here. So it's kind of, you feel a little boxed out just because you're like, mm. until my Swedish is at like a fluent level, I'm not going to be understanding or overhearing conversations that happen around me. It's also really interesting. I've been encouraged so many times by Swedish friends that I've gotten to know better who say, if you go to a bar, I find it really fascinating here that people go to bars and never interact with their groups. I'm like, you could just be with the same group you came with mm-hmm. at someone's apartment and drink for a lot cheaper because it's really <laughs> expensive to drink alcohol here. You know, for us in the States, I think for the most part, you go to a bar, yes, with your friends, but like for the excitement of like who you could meet. Right, like, with, with right. Strangers. And so, but the, what they say here is that like Swedes will never be the one to approach a stranger. But if you approach them, they're actually open to it and they actually kind of want that. Hmm. But like, it's just, it's kind of like mm-hmm. they'll go the final 10% if you go the first 90%. For the most part, every time I've done that, especially even in platonic situations or just like okay. going at a coffee shop or something, like most people are pretty happy to have a conversation. Hmm. It's just not commonplace for them. Sometimes when I just Say like hi, how are you to the barista? They're like, oh my god, nobody has asked me the all barista, day. Barista, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, like people, people just get straight to it. They just make their order. There's no small talk. And I think that does kind of like give you a sense of how the culture is. Like there's not really an expectation that you'll even, even your neighbors in your own building, there's like a famous show where it kind of shows how people will like look out the little hole in the doorway to make sure that there's no neighbors in the hallway before they leave because they don't want to have to talk with them. So little things like that. But wait, I want to get back to the apathy part then. What happens if you do ask someone directly after a date? Did you have a good time? Do you want to see me again? What would happen? Yeah, I think I did that to an extent a couple times and it it's very uncomfortable for Swedes to like have to deal with that situation. Like uh, another part of the culture is like, it's very non-confrontational. And even if you're the one, like you said, to reach out and like ask for feedback, ask for an opinion, I've been ghosted. I think sometimes for them, it's just easier to just not respond. I would say that's not that common, but I think mm-hmm. maybe I'm guilty of also like conforming to their culture where I'm just like, after one or two dates, I'm like, okay, I guess if neither of us are feeling strong enough to reach out, I guess that's it, which happens everywhere. But I feel like it's more common here. I think it's also a testament to the fact that the floor for everyone is really high. The government and the system will not let you fall far. Like no one's falling into poverty. Mm-hmm. No one is like dating because they're desperate to get themselves out of a financial gutter. So everyone is pretty independent and self-sufficient until you find something that really clicks. Mm. Why settle? Which really rings true here more than other places because of the social system. And, and like I said before, like probably one of the best countries in the world for women's rights and mm. women's equality. And yeah. So are people primarily dating through dating apps or is it meeting out and about? <laughs> I think you could probably guess from what I said before that it's not the latter. It's not <laughs> a lot of meeting out and about. I do miss just meeting people like <laughs> organically out and about. You could say it was actually slightly better here during COVID than Germany because there were more opportunities for those kinds of things. And I moved here in February 2021, right in the first big winter of COVID. I took the train actually to move up here. And as soon as I crossed into Sweden from Denmark, it was like everything changed because of Germany and Denmark mark is still like masks everywhere people being super careful and then literally as soon as you get on the train in sweden it's like nobody's wearing a mask the ticket inspector comes up to you like this far from your face and really like, like without a mask you're just, <laughs> but that was a good thing because more things were open here so it kind of allowed for me to come here and have like a semi-normal dating experience in my first few months rather than just being stuck at home all the time i think 
Bumble and Tinder and I think Hinge is getting a little bit more popular. As I mentioned before, a lot of especially Swedes that are together with other Swedes, they meet super early. They're together with like their high school, which they call Kim mm. Nazi here, high school sweetheart or college sweetheart mm. and just together like through their 20s. Like I managed a team at my previous company, which was I think 10 out of the 12 were Swedes and all 10 of them were like in long term serious relationships and uh. they're all like in their mid to early 20s. Wow. It's interesting because like there's probably not as many people on the dating pool as in other major cities, probably even in Southern Europe. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do people ever meet at work? Are they only from like college? And yeah, and work too. Okay. Exactly. Those that make it out of college without a relationship, I guess. I think those are the, the top three is like school, work, and then I think it's really like school and work. That's what I've heard from most Swedes. Okay, so people are in relationships, but are they married? Yeah, it's really interesting. So the Sambo concept I mentioned earlier, where basically if you live together, that's basically just as good as being married in terms of taxes and in terms of like yeah. how you're viewed in general. And also I think Sweden has the highest percentage of co-parenting. They're together, they're not like divorced. Mm. They're raising a child together, but living separately. Mm. That kind of goes to the theme of, I think it's mm -hmm. the highest percentage in, in the world of people living alone. I just want to clarify, technically many Swedes are in relationships, but not all of them are married or many of them are not married. That doesn't seem to be the end goal for dating. Correct, exactly. So I had a friend, she dated a Swedish guy in San Francisco. They are parents now, but I am actually don't think they're married, mm. which kind of goes in line with what you were saying. And they had been together for a long time and marriage wasn't really something they like talked about or cared about. It was more just about being together. But she did say that when they first started dating, it was kind of culture shock because he just assumed that you split the bill and like there was no concept of mm -hmm. paying. Is that something you've run into? You know, in the shower before this, I was like, I need to make sure to bring that up. It's pretty much expected both in Germany and Sweden that like if you have dinner together on the first date I think it's pretty natural that both people would just expect to split it in both of these countries mm -hmm. which is kind of nice because it, it does even financially give you mm -hmm. a little bit more like wiggle room to like maybe go on two dates a week instead of one or you know things like that so there's none of that like mental questioning afterward, which I think is kind of nice. Right, right. The main difference is that here in Sweden, everything is digital. Like it's basically impossible to use cash. Mm. And in Germany, it's still very like cash only in a lot of places. So it was a little awkward a couple times, like on a couple of dates where like we were just going to split it and then they would like start to count coins. And I was like, it's okay. I'll just get it with my card. <laughs> like, <laughs> <instead of> like, <laughs> Germans are notorious. I think there's a German word for it, but I forgot what it is. But like to split exactly, like if you had a meal, nine euros oh. and eight. 84 yeah. cents, you would count it down yeah. to that last 84 cents. Sometimes it can get awkward sitting there for five minutes, like watching someone counting coins. That is hilarious. I would love to see someone do that in the US. Just like, no, 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 uh, let me 24 yeah, cents. Let's split you it. owe me 24 cents. Bring out a bag of coins. That would end up like so viral, and oh, that yeah. guy would be incredible. roasted for the rest of his life. Um, but it's normal in Germany. So, well, the paying part makes a lot of sense. I've definitely heard the same. Any other gender roles you've experienced? Let's stick to Sweden for now. It's still traditional in the sense that like, for instance, like making the first move, I think it's still expected that the guy will do that. Even on dating apps too? I know obviously on Bumble, that's always the woman. But right. I, to be honest, I haven't had much luck on Bumble. Like I primarily use Hinge. I would say it's 
probably like 85% of the time I still have to initiate, especially after it's lingering there for a few days without anyone saying anything. I wouldn't say there's any major differences there. What about Germany with gender roles? Is there anything there? A lot of like the female population that would move to Germany is very, I would say very feminist. And also like LGBTQ community there in both genders mm-hmm. or all genders is pretty high. Because of that, I think it's in a good way, like very egalitarian and very like role neutral. So very different than a very like patriarchal or like male centric place, which is great in a lot of ways. But yeah, sometimes it can just be a little bit like leaving both people a little bit unsure, I guess. Views on sex. We'll start with Sweden. I think Swedes are pretty sexually active and promiscuous. But again, you would really never know that unless like hearing anecdotal things. Because even compared to Germany, Germans are very open about like public nudity and just like, Mm -hmm. I remember being in in Polish hotel, they had a German TV station where it was just like porn on like a public hotel, like (laughs) a kid could have been in this room and it wasn't like pay-per-view or anything. It was just like flipping through, there's the news, there's sports, there's porn. (laughs) So Germans are very open and obviously like the sex clubs and everything in Mm -hmm. Berlin is much more of a thing. Mm I know you talked about like that you could go on a couple dates a week, for instance, and then people are also pretty independent. Like, are people dating around or is it after you like someone, you immediately become exclusive? Are there DTR conversations? What does that whole bit look like? I think that whole world still exists. I don't think there's too many people that are just like settling or locking things down right away. Okay. Especially again, like in this community of people that didn't have those chances to like go to school here or like start their careers here where they might have met a partner. I think especially now, obviously COVID has changed so many things, but for instance, like my job now, technically we're in the office three days a week, but you get a mixed bag of like who's actually there and who's still working remotely. So like even the chances of meeting someone at the office are lower than they were like pre-COVID when it was like expected that everyone would be there every day. Definitely you have to be, give a concerted effort to like say like, I'm going to schedule three dates for next week. You're going to have to like probably plan it and probably like know that you're going to need to follow up because of the, I would say the lack of strong signal that I mentioned earlier, just knowing that to be patient. With dating in any country that's not your own, we have to remember you're the foreigner in that country. Yeah, exactly. So within these two countries you've lived in, what is the local perspective on an American expat? especially dating an American expat, any stereotypes they have. There's actually a YouTuber here in Stockholm, an American guy. He's got a pretty big YouTube following. He is totally like bought into the whole Stockholm, like super well-dressed, well-groomed guy. And like he, I think he might even be like part Swedish in his ancestry. So he like kind of looks the part. And you can tell just from watching his videos, like he's thriving and he's like, he's found his niche where like <laughs> he can kind of dip into both worlds. Even just like, I actually have met him a couple times on the streets and I was like, hey man, like your videos and stuff. And like, you can just tell that he's like, yeah, I know exactly where to pick my lanes, dial in the Swedish way, dial in the American way. And I still feel like culturally much more aligned to the American way. So it's funny because you actually, anytime, you know, I meet someone like, oh, you're American living in Sweden. Like I heard Swedes love Americans. I'm like, really? I've never really gotten that. I can't think of a single time when I've like met someone that like their eyes lit up that I was American. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me, but like, that's one of the like, fringe benefits that I was kind of expecting here based on what people were saying. And it has not been true at all. Looking back on when you were first dating in Germany, any rookie mistakes or words of caution that you would give to people? Maybe just a personal preference, but like, especially in Berlin, it's like the percentage of people in my theoretical dating pool that ended up being like cigarette smokers. And that's just like a deal breaker for me. I learned that the hard way. Mm -hmm. It's something that is pretty prevalent in a lot of European countries. So I think there are like pretty major cultural differences like that, that you have to either decide if you're open to it or not, because otherwise, you know, in a way it can actually help you whittle down your dating pool. But 
the second part of it, people that are already dating others, I guess, have a long-term plan is probably a good idea because mm -hmm. I've met couples here that are very happy. For instance, one's from India and one's from South Africa. They both come here. Sweden's a great place to raise a family. But then their kids, even if they learn the native tongue of both of each of their parents, they're growing up in a Swedish environment and like going to school with Swedish kids. And like, despite the propensity to speak English and to be very global in that sense, it's still a very insular culture and a very like culture that other people will have a hard time like understanding the nuances of like the body language and the communication styles and it's a very introverted culture mm -hmm. again no matter where you are like if you're okay with basically possibly losing those cultural ties that you have with your own country because your kids are probably going to be quite swedish or quite german mm -hmm. or whatever they're growing up on a personal note what are you open to if you meet the woman of your dreams and she wants to stay in europe are you open to settling down in Europe? I think so, but it doesn't seem likely. If it's in Europe there, I think there's a handful of cities that like are quite a bit more international than here that I think I could compromise for and be, a, for instance, if my future partner is not American, there obviously would probably be a decision to make if they were not open to moving to the States, for instance, or if it was difficult visa-wise or whatever. Unfortunately, I don't think it would be here in Sweden, which does kind of take some of the wind out of the sails of dating. But I think that's why knowing to limit it to mostly other foreigners and being pretty open and upfront about that. I've been very upfront about that in probably the last year's worth of dating is like, hey, I'm probably not going to be staying in Sweden if that's okay with you. Or if you're also thinking along the same lines, like that's probably a better fit, which is actually nice. I think it saves everyone time. And, and I think it's nice to know what you want your long-term plans to be. Whereas maybe earlier on in dating life, it's more open-ended and without a plan. So. so the last question we have for you is a two-parter. So if you are someone that's dating in another culture, what advice would you have for them? And then also, what advice would you have for someone that's dating someone from a different culture? It's obvious, I guess, but definitely just be open-minded and try to go into it, like, especially in my situation where, like, I'm here in another country. But if you're the one in the foreign country, I would say try to be more of a listener mm -hmm. more than anything. They might be in, more interested in you because, like, you're a foreigner and you're kind of different. But I would try to, like, use that opportunity to learn as much about that culture and to see if you can actually gel romantically and, and things like that. And don't be afraid to show your personality. And, like, I think that's something that I've learned to really appreciate about American culture is, like, I mean, I've had the other extreme of it where it's, yeah. like, someone shows you way too much of themselves all at once and it's, like, overwhelming. But in a weird way, it's almost <laughs> better to have that because at least you just get it all on the table and show your true colors. The kind of slog of like going through minimum two or three dates with everyone, regardless of whether or not you think they're like having the opportunity to like get to know someone much faster because they're willing to open up. Don't be afraid to be yourself. And especially knowing that they might be coming from a culture that's more used to that than where we currently are. Oh, I loved connecting with Andy again. It's always <sighs> so good to hear his voice and how much he's grown in his dating journey from he's no the US boy. all he's the way man. to Europe. <laughs> it was also really fun hearing the differences of his dating experiences in Berlin and in Sweden. So mm -hmm. really glad we got Andy back to share about his dating in different cultures. Yeah, so and fun. our final guest, we have I, who is going to share the perspective of coming to the U.S. from Japan. What is it like to get thrown into U.S. dating culture? We're about to find out. We are so entrenched in modern dating here in the Western world that sometimes we forget if you are just coming into this dating scene, there might be some WTF moments. 
<laughs> that make you pause. And I recently went to a stand-up comedy show put on by Bernice Ye, who was part of our show before. She was a guest on. And uh, she had this wonderful comedian named I on her show who had talked about her adventures of dating in the Western world versus where she's from, Japan. So I welcome to Dateable. So great to have you as a guest. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> We're very much looking forward to all of your stories. But first of all, we got to tell our audience who you are. I is in her 40s, or originally from Japan, currently lives in Alhambra, California. That's SoCal. She's in a monogamous relationship and she's a stand-up comedian. So this is a story that we have on our guests kind of fill out like, what's a little summary of your story? And her story cracked me up. I was like belly laughing. Uh, she says, when I started dating an American boyfriend, I thought we were boyfriend and girlfriend. But three weeks Weeks later, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're already my boyfriend. You kissed me. <laughs> I feel like that really sums up how different dating is in the Western world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so from your standpoint, what has been the biggest culture shock of dating in America? First of all, I came here for a long time ago, more than 20 years ago. So mm -hmm. maybe it's a different. Um, and also, I was virgin. So, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. See so, you in a lot of culture shops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and very conservative. I'm from a very conservative part of Japan. And I was like, I thought he was my, my boyfriend already. <laughs> because we don't have the period that like seeing each other. No, we're seeing each other. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, we don't have that period. With the testing period in Japan so like you're my boyfriend or not you know it's very confusing so how old were you when you started dating in the US okay first of all I never dated in Japan okay mm. yes and then to the United States when I was 20 and as a virgin <laughs> And the first boyfriend was a white guy. He was a really nice guy, though. He was also Christian, too. He was a virgin, too. Even though he dated more than me, he dated, but he never had, you know, sex before. But uh, I had no experience dating. So, wow. Yeah. And, but when you say dating, is there even such a thing as dating in Japan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but there's no seeing each other. Yeah. So if you go out on a date, like a man asks a girl or, you know, vice versa then, hey could you be my girlfriend could you be my boyfriend before you go on the date before going on a date okay so there's no like dating <laughs> multiple people and dating no. around any of that no, no. yeah <laughs> <laughs> even though you go out on one date you have to make sure okay i don't think it's working out so i'm sorry i want to be a girlfriend or boyfriend and then they broke up after one day. So everyone's breaking up all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or at least if they were dating like they were in the US. Yeah. <laughs> so you decide on if you're going to commit to this person before you mm -hmm. even go on the first date. Yeah. And when you are boyfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend, gr boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, whatever your labels are, it means you're monogamous, committed to this one person. Yeah. Until you both decide that you don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kind of the opposite of how we yeah. do it here. <laughs> yeah. And then what about this concept of DTR, define the relationship? Have you experienced this? And is this something that, I guess, I guess in Japan, you wouldn't even do that because you've already DTR'd yeah. when you've gone on your first date. Now that I know what's going on, so like I'm, <laughs> I usually, so are we dating or not? So not a question for you. Yeah, it's, it's a not statement. a question for me. A statement, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like we've we're DTR now. You're yes, yeah, we're in true. a relationship. Yeah. So I didn't really ask if you don't want to be my boyfriend and just let's end it. It's like I don't want to waste my time, kind of thing. So yeah, you know, I've actually heard that from so many of my friends who moved over from another country and dating mm-hmm. in the U.S. They're extremely direct because they yeah. don't understand all the game playing that happens mm. in the U.S. What are your thoughts about this whole, oh, I'm going to wait to say that I like them or wait to text back? Did you play any games while you were dating? I didn't know what was going on at the beginning. And then I didn't understand if he likes me, why he waits three days or he, why <laughs> he waits like three days. Like, you know, that. And then my American friend, my roommate, uh, older roommate, she told me, oh, he's playing game with you. And I got, hey, what? So I started learning, oh, playing games? And then, yeah, that's how I learned. But when I didn't speak English much, when I started dating my ex-husband, I thought we were boyfriend girlfriends, right? <laughs> but he wasn't. He didn't think we were. He, he didn't think he was my girl, boyfriend. And then I was wondering, like, why he's so hesitant sometimes. And then he's my boyfriend. Why he's like acting like he's not my boyfriend? Mm-hmm. And then then I was like, I was busy in school too, so I just you know what. I don't want to explain too much in English. I was so lazy, right? <laughs> so, and when he calls me finally, I said, okay, I'm busy. Okay, bye-bye. I didn't like to speak on having conversation on the phone because my listening skill was so bad. So I was keep doing that. I didn't mean to play a game hard to catch, but then eventually <laughs> he started chasing me. Oh, so you didn't even know you were playing games, but no. he thought you were. Yeah. Which made him try harder. Yeah. But I just didn't want to talk to you on the phone because I have no idea what you're talking about. Because <laughs> there's a language barrier on the phone. Language barrier. So if you want to see me or you want to talk to me, just come over. I have no idea I was playing game. But yeah. So in the U.S., as you know, you know, you mm-hmm. always want to make sure that you're you know, maximizing, getting the best person for you. And that's why people date multiple people. And that's why it takes a while to commit. In Japan, what's the thought process? Do you have any or is it just like, I'm going to go on a date, this is my boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever? When I came here, I was, it's a blow mine. <laughs> I was like, what the? <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, when American people go to date, the first stage, they're going out on dates. At this point, American people play game. They're going out and feeling it out. And it's like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> But um, I'm not going to call him because um, he thinks I'm desperate, you know. This stage is aka fucking around period. Am I say F word? Yeah, mm-hmm. go for uh, okay. it. Okay, oh yeah, it's a fucking around period. Then and the guy, just call him Chuck. So Chuck realized that and getting laid with the other ladies is not that easy. So then finally he decided to so finally commit in. So that stage is, um, for American people, it takes like few weeks to months. Sometimes it takes years. I think American people have commitment issues. What does commitment mean to you? Like what do you, when you think of commitment, what does that mean? Commitment means 
don't cheat. <laughs> Exclusive. I think you know. To me, cheating happens, and I okay. I've been cheated before, but I'm still friends with my ex-boyfriend who cheated on me because I think it's a feeling thing. It's something happens, happens. Okay, they got attracted and cheated, so I got hurt. But feeling it's something that you can't really control. If the two people have a strong, you know, connection and then couldn't help it, then go ahead. And I'm and I'm not gonna be with you anymore. But I can move on. So I told him like, if you're cheating on me, let me know right now. And then if you tell me honestly, if you're cheating, cheating, I will still break up with you. But you'll be my friend, and you'll be in my life. But if you say no, and if I find out that you are cheating on me, then you'll be out of my life. Rest of my life.、Mm. That is still a way more calm approach than most people would take. <laughs> yeah, very rational. That's very rational. That is not the common one. Do you think that's because is like cheating a big thing in Japan? Like, I think so. Now is now is the big thing. If you go on a date, and if you go next day, if you go out on a date with some other person, you're already cheating. You know, <gasps> so <laughs> it's, it was more recent. But when I was dating, and this guy asked me to be in an open relationship with his、mm. and his girlfriend, I was like, uh. No. Wait, that was in the U.S. or in yeah, yeah, Japan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the U.S.、Okay. It's the U.S. Yeah. How did you react to that? I didn't react well. <laughs> I think it's the thing in Japan. It's just、uh, it's gonna be just straight up cheating. <laughs> <laughs> What other differences have you seen in Asia? Kissing is very different. Kissing is very special. So、hmm. if you kiss. It's like in Asia, if you kiss, it's like you had sex with the person. Wow, you know I mean? very intimate. <laughs> very intimate. Here, everyone's kissing on every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in, in in Asia, we don't say "I love you" that easily. Like here in America, everybody says "I love you, I love you, I love you back." You know, like you know, love is just something that you say. But in Asia, love is something you show as your. Uh, action. My parents never said I love you to me, never ever,、mm. and I never said I love you to my parents either.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I love you is a huge milestone in the、oh, U.S.、Yeah. So what happens like in Asia? Is that just something that like you just don't ever say in dating? And what happened when your boyfriend in the U.S. said that to you? I was first time. I was like, "What? You love me?" <laughs> 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 But then I realized, oh. He says that to everyone. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't that special to you. Yeah, it's like oh, everybody says I love you. To you know, love is like such a. It's like a free sample at Costco. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> here you go, here you go, here you go. So is that just not like a step in dating in Japan? Like, is that just not something that anyone says? Or yeah, usually, especially my generation or older. I don't know about young generation, but we say I like you. I like you a lot. <laughs> but I love you is like something that you would say in a deathbed. You know what I mean? Well, then take <laughs> us back to the first time you said "I love you" to someone. Maybe from to my first boyfriend, he said "I love you" to me first, and it's all.、Oh. And then I have to say "I love you too." <laughs> oh, you felt like you had to. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Did you mean it? I didn't know what I was saying though. Like I was just, you know, I was naive and trying to please. I think so. I just said, and I was also like, ooh. 
you said you love me and like it was like so heavy oh. but i realized that it was like love is more like fluffy things <laughs> so what i find so fascinating about you because i've been reading a lot of stuff you know like your bio and i've just watched all your youtube videos you say that you left japan because you couldn't fully express yourself especially mm-hmm. when it came to feminist views now you mm-hmm. did not date in japan but why didn't you experience dating in japan was it because you didn't feel like you could really fully express yourself like that uh yes and also i was too opinionated as a girl so (laughs) i don't think any of japanese men could handle me (laughs) my parents were really worried about me because you know i had guys friend because i played sports a lot but they're always like a friend they're like brothers to me and i never see them as a like love interest and I hate when men told told me like oh you shouldn't do this you shouldn't say that because you're a girl and that pissed me off like that I just slept (laughs) what did you just say (laughs) you know I can't say that or I can't do that because I'm a girl and so it's really no no in Japan (laughs) so when you came to the U.S. and you started Mm -hmm. dating Did you Mm -hmm. feel like you could bring more of your authentic self? Or was there kind of like those stories that you were still telling yourself that, you know, men don't like this type of woman, etc.? I feel really great. I feel like, oh, I can express myself. Then I realized that my English was not good enough to express myself. (laughs) So that was my another struggle. But one thing was I did not need to hold back my emotion in this country Mm. if i'm mad i can show i'm mad if i'm happy i'm you know i can be happy so i was i had a really hard time being myself my face tells everything so (laughs) because when i was in japan i was always in trouble because i you know emotion i I was so Mm. expressive and like if i don't like something like someone offer some food and if i don't like it they even say i say it's great but i just (laughs) people can tell (laughs) but in america if you don't like it you can express it you know so that made me feel like oh i feel like i I can breathe here more (laughs) that's so funny because my chinese relatives who've dated who've at least experienced americans in china would say american girls are so expressive Mm. they're like like they they use their hands, they use their face. They're like always so emotional, expressive in a good way. But it's just such a difference between how Asian culture is, yes. which is like yes. do not express yourself in the in this loud, boisterous way. Mm-hmm. My mom trying to raise me more submissive. <laughs> No, but I just couldn't <laughs> be the submissive Japanese woman. Japan definitely has like women's role and men's men's roles, you know. But in America, is a more woman or more independent. Women have to be independent to date. So my first struggle in the United States in the dating was like women, we Asian women in Asia, it's very like more overprotected, and also men takes care of women from the certain things. Oh, like, you're you're a girl, you're a woman, you don't need to do this, you know. Like oh, changing car, changing oil, oh, it's a man's job. Okay, you don't need to do that. You know, mm. let me do it. Like so, men will step up and do the men's things, and the women we were not 
to do anything. A woman is supposed to cook, do the laundry for men, and then you know, my my mom still get underwear for my dad before he goes take bath. You know what I mean? Wow. Very clear gender roles. Yeah, gender roles. So when I came to America and started dating American men, I was like, when I asked him, hey, could you fix this? And he said, oh, okay, I will do it. And then weeks, months later, <laughs> it's still broken. So I was like, I have to do it. And otherwise, it's never going to fix. So to learn that, oh, we women have to be independent. We have to do, it's not much gender roles here. Okay, so I'm trying to wrap my head around this. You left Japan because you felt like you couldn't fully express yourself. You're an opinionated Asian woman. Did you encounter any sort of yellow fever dating in the U.S. where men expect Asian women to be extremely submissive? And that's what they like. Tell tell us more. Yes. I broke so many men's heart. (laughs) You're like, I'm not submissive. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. One of my ex-boyfriends, it was his dream to date a Japanese girl. Mm. He thought I will treat him like a king and, you know, support him everything. But he was like, you destroyed my dream. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, because we are always fighting because I was always like talking back to him. And so I don't know what it is. But yeah, a lot of men expected me to be very submissive and a good Asian girlfriend. How did that make you feel? Um... I, I also enjoyed fighting too when I was younger. <laughs> you know, again, as an Asian woman, it's kind of not allowed to fight or talk back to men, but it's okay for me to talk back and <laughs> fight. So I think I enjoyed it when I was young, I think. <laughs> so dating in Japan. I'm assuming if you, you know, you go on a date, you assume that you're now like a couple. Are people very marriage focused? Like, is that the primary reason that they're dating? And how was that different from like what you wanted as this more outspoken woman? I mean, here or in Japan? In Japan. Like, in Japan? Was, did you feel like that's what people's motive was to like get married, date to get married or no? No, I don't think so. I okay. think uh, all the uh, female in Japan, they don't even want to get married. Mm. Because, yeah, because also women can have careers too. So why do you have to be made? Basically, Asian women were made, you know, once you get married. I read the article, like, Asian women like, have a full-time job. But when, I, when they go home, they do most of the housework. Men help so little. Average, like, Japanese men helps uh, chores, like, two hours a day something and but american men helps like four hours or something like that so like more of an equal partnership yeah more equal partnership but in asia and japan it's men it's more like don't help so women are overworked already you know a lot of japanese women it's just they just they don't complain they just try so hard to please men so that's why a lot of women are like you know i don't want to get married anymore and then all my friend my generation all my friends are not married except mm-hmm. the one and everybody else is divorced or single yeah my mom even said hey if you want to go back to japan come back anytime and don't you know you don't need to be ashamed of being divorced or single all your friends are single anyway interesting <laughs> so. so why did they date that or are they not dating anymore I don't know if it's a dating or maybe more like, you know, for sex or I don't know. A lot of people don't want to settle. And I think I heard it's a lot of divorces and also a lot of cheating going on in Japan now. So, yeah. 
you feel like your cultural background, do you think it has any impact on your dating experience, being, being a Japanese woman? Oh, yes, big time. I have to overcome men's expectation. I'm not a stereotype, so I have to always explain, explain. Men always have that expectation of how Japanese women might treat them, you know? What is that stereotype? Just the submissive one again? Submissive and also take care of men, mm. like, you know, treat men like a king. Mm. But what if someone wants to date someone of a different culture? What is some advice you give to them to help relate better to someone from a different culture? Patience. I really think, you know, if someone, even though they don't speak the language, sometimes the chemistry is just there. And then like my first boyfriend and I, we didn't really, couldn't communicate well, but we were like hit it off and we dated right away. He always tried to understand what I was trying to say. He said, okay, so are you trying to say this and this and that? He always just trying to rephrase and ask to me, this is what you're mm. trying to say? And then I could say, yes. Mm. Or no, or like, yeah, you know what I mean? So your attitude is so important. If you're trying to understand someone, even though, you know, language, big language barrier, but I think it's a lot of patience and a lot of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. That was so fun to hear from everyone. Mm. Honestly, I learned so much. I think having the cross-section of different cultures and different countries that people are dating in was really a good way to hear just like, what are these common themes that people are going through? And I don't know about for you, UA, I think it was really good to hear how, you know, patience is such a core aspect mm. of giving grace to people that might be acclimating in a new culture. I think this is something that I maybe haven't thought about as much. Like when I did date like my ex from the UK, like I never thought about like, what was it like for him being in this different culture? And, you mm -hmm. know, I think especially if there's a language barrier involved, like they can be overwhelming. And there's just a lot going on that goes beyond just the typical dating struggles. Yeah, ugh, seriously. And the patience goes into all aspects of dating. It doesn't have to be cross-cultural, right? <laughs> There's so much learning about each other at the beginning of a relationship, in the middle of a relationship, that we just have to spend the time to get to know each other. And one thing I really learned from the, all these conversations is respect is huge mm -hmm. as well. Part of why I get so irked when people ask me, oh, how do I date a Chinese girl? I realize it irks me not because they are interested in dating someone who's Chinese. I get irked because they're grouping all yeah. people into yeah. that Chinese girl category. And in these conversations, we're talking about how do you date someone who is part of this culture? That's a different way of putting it. It doesn't mean everybody is the same, but there are some overarching themes of this culture that we should be aware of and respect at the end of the day. If you're dating in a different country you are the fucking guest in their house <laughs> yeah you better respect their furniture you respect their paintings you got to make sure like you take your shoes off if you need to like there's so many things that you need to also be aware of a lot of americans when they go to other countries just expect other people to conform to them totally. you know such a u.s centric way of thinking about things but when you're in a different country you got to be the guest and respect them just like how people who come to the u.s really do respect the u.s culture and and 
then, you know, they're the ones who are learning about us. Yeah, I think it's also just like how much we are byproducts of our culture and how many mm. how our views and beliefs are influenced so heavily. Like I'm thinking about like a conversation with we had with I, I feel like cheating was just like not a big deal to her because that's yeah. just so the norm. And it was kind of sticker shock to Kat, for instance, because like that wasn't how she was acclimated in US dating culture. But in Brazil, everyone's just super open and sexual and vibrant. And you know, having many partners like that is a norm. So it's really interesting what we take with us from our cultures, especially when we're dropped into another one. Mm, So true. It helps you challenge what is it that you're looking for? And why do you date in the first place? I mean, look at Andy, he's, he's been challenged in so many different ways. And he's come to this conclusion that I want to to spend my life with someone and I want to establish roots with them and it's not in Sweden. He d- yeah. he knows that and that's great to have that clarity. He knows that he would love to come back to the US and start a life with someone. When we gain that clarity through learning about other cultures, it can help us really understand what it is that we're looking for in love and relationships. So these conversations have been really helpful for you to even just reflect on what it is that you're looking for. Yeah. Or like Kat or I were like, I actually work better in this culture, you know, like, especially I, I feel like she had this feeling of like, I can't be myself in my my culture. So I think it can go either way. Like you can go to a different culture and say, actually, grass isn't always greener. Maybe I do feel like my life belongs where I came from. Or you can go to somewhere else and be like, wow, didn't realize what I was missing out on. There's a whole world of opportunities and what I knew was just a sliver of it all. So there's no right or wrong. And I think it's just a personal experience. But whatever we're doing, we're learning about ourselves in each capacity. So much learning to do. We encourage all of y'all to date outside of your comfort zone. Doesn't have to be someone from a different culture, but just someone you don't normally date. You're guaranteed to learn so much more about yourself than if you were just to date someone who is just like your usual type, you know, you know exactly what to expect. Yeah. And date like you're on vacation. We always say that even Uh, if you're not going to go to a different culture, even if you're not going to travel around the world, you can do that in your home city. That is something that you can do today. But I think the part that made all of them really interesting is that they were very exploratory and curious and trying to learn the culture and understand how things worked. When we are just in our own environment, we stop doing that. And I don't think you need to like travel all over to do it. But bringing curiosity to your dating life is just going to make it more fun, even if you're in the exact same place you were yesterday. Oh my God, seriously, Kat is a completely different person. Mm -hmm. If you knew Kat from (laughs) five, six years ago, she was very much into that corporate life, tech life, you know, living in a beautiful apartment and having all the beautiful things and going to galas and that kind of life. You know what I'm getting at. And now she's like, I realize I don't need any of that shit Mm -hmm. to make me happy. I was just subscribing to something that everybody else wanted or wanted to do. And I realize now I don't need that. That's wonderful. I love that people can find themselves through other cultures and know what it is that you actually value in life. So hopefully this inspired you to date differently. 
(laughs) whatever that means to you. That's really the goal is how do you date differently and how do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? Mm. So here's a question for you. When was the last time you dated outside of your comfort zone? Reflect back on that. Have you ever dated outside your comfort zone? And if you have or have not, share your experience by giving us a five-star rating and review (laughs) on Apple Podcasts. Knew you were going there. (laughs) In the review, you can tell us when was the last time you dated outside of your comfort zone? How did that make you feel? And why did you do that? Or if you haven't yet, maybe write about what you learned in these conversations. What's that one takeaway from this episode? That truly helps us, but I think it'll help you too to to reflect on that. On that note, we're going to wrap this up. Stay Datable. The Datable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Datable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay datable. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.